Thank you for joining us today for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud begins a brand new series entitled The Book of James. This is session four. We're going to pick up this morning in James chapter two. So you want to go ahead and turn to that. Uh, James chapter two, and uh, it's going to be divided into two parts. So this morning, we're going to cover verses one through 13. Everybody ready? All right. We're going to read a little bit and then stop and talk a little bit and read a little bit more. Beginning with verse one, let's read first. Our first section we're going to take is verses one through four. It reads as follows. This is the New King James Version of the Bible. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and ye pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand here or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So our first section here, we're going to learn as we are growing and becoming mature Christians is to be no, the King James says, respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Um, and what is what we're talking about here is that we're all the same, right? We are not going to give partiality to one group of people over another group of people. Now, that is easy to say. But as I was studying this, I had to kind of catch myself because sometimes it is not easy to do. We can find ourselves honoring one person more than we will honor someone else. And we find ways to justify it, don't we? We'll say, well, this person, um, you know, they hold a particular office, and so you need to be respectful of that office. Um, and so, you know, we may treat them a little bit differently, you know, based on their education and all of that. But when the Bible says not to be a respecter of persons, Edge, um, there's a letter missing, isn't it? Y'all weren't even going to tell me. I guess uneducated just properly misspelled, right? Because that would be uneducated. <clears throat> I get the irony. Okay. Um, and, and we will find ways to justify, but when the Bible says, when the Word of God tells us, to not be a respecter of persons, it means simply that. We are to give everyone the same amount of honor and respect. So what does that mean? Um, if you find yourself a tendency to say, well, this person holds this particular office, you know how when, if the president were to walk into the room, we would either stand or we would give him our attention. We would stop, you know, if you were doing whatever, or if he were up here talking, you wouldn't be playing. There are some things we wouldn't do, right? So why not give that amount of respect to everybody? Because although I'm not the president of the United States, does that mean that what I have to say at that moment is not as important? 
because wisdom can come from anywhere. It can come through anybody. God can use anyone, even a person on the street that may seem like they have nothing to offer you. We never know because if nothing else, they have their experience to to offer you, their testimony, so to speak, that is going to be different from our own. And so perhaps we may need to kind of meet somewhere in the middle, right, where we don't have this one person esteemed so highly and then this other person you just soon as kick them out of the way as a step over them. But we are to honor and respect everyone. Now, these are not the only categories that we put people in. But see how difficult that is to do when you think about it. And he says not to be a respecter of persons because what would happen And this sometimes, unfortunately, still happens in some churches today. I I pray we never do anything like that here. But sometimes when you go in a place, those who are wealthy are treated a certain way. You know, seat in the front if they want to seat in the front. Come up and have some words to say if you want to have some words to say. We're all just listening. And oh, because this person has more. And that's what he was saying. They would come in with gold rings or or goodly rings. apparel, and they were treated with a certain amount of respect. Well, then if a person comes in with just, you know, whatever, goodwill clothing, um, then they were not treated with respect. They were kind of like, well, you know, you can sit in the back, possibly on the floor, don't want you to mess up anything, but, you know, whatever, come on in. And he's telling us we should not do that. We don't need to be respecter of persons. Now, we know that Jesus was not a respecter of persons, how do we know that? Because it got him in trouble a couple of times, didn't it? The religious leaders would, would, would say something about how you just, you know, hanging around with sinners and the common people. And, you know, you got this lady washing your feet with her hair. And we know what kind of lady, you know, she is. And, and you're talking to the woman at the well. And so it came up time and time again. So it's obvious that he did not treat people a certain way. When somebody wealthy came to him, He didn't cut corners. He gave them the word the same way he would somebody who wasn't. And so we have to be mindful of that uh, as far as not showing partiality uh, to, to, to different people. Because what happens is when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't get all caught up in what we have, does he? How fancy we dress, um, what family we came from, what seal or crest maybe hanging over our mantle in our house, if you have one of those, a family seal. Y'all don't have one. (laughs) He doesn't get caught up in all of that, does he? Because when he looks at us, he sees our hearts. He doesn't get hung up on our past, whether or not, you know, you were holy from the wound and never did a thing, or whether you were just the absolute worst sinner, sinner, what chief sinner among sinners, He doesn't get caught up in that because he looks in our hearts and he sees who we really are. And more importantly, he sees who he knows we can become. And if we try to take that point of view with everybody else, when we look at somebody, I don't see your past. I don't see the trappings of this world that you have, but I see your heart. I see that you were created in God's image, just like me. And I see what you can become, and I see what I can become, then we can relate to one another on a different level. 
we don't get so caught up in. And sometimes that is what comes about, uh, that, that is what causes us to, to be, um, to show partiality to people. Some people we look at and we're just, frankly, we're just a little intimidated. You know, they're smarter than me, they have more than me, and so, you know, we are, oh my gosh, I'm gonna hold on to their every word. But then if we see somebody that we think may be in a class lower than us, then we figure what? They don't really have anything they can offer me. I already know more than they do, so, you know, whatever. And we may not say those words, <clears throat> but we may act that way. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I just had to repent because I was guilty of that. I'm not intentionally trying to mistreat anybody, but I could not honestly look in the mirror and say that I had not ever been a respecter of persons. Now, hopefully you all may have a different testimony, but that was mine. And I was not at all happy with myself about that because it was not anything I intended to do, but yet I found myself doing that. So as I mature as a Christian, that's something I have to work on. Okay, so we don't want to get caught up uh, with who somebody is, but we do, more importantly, whose they are. And whose are we? Right. And so that puts us on a level, play, <laughs> level playing field. Okay. Did, it, did you sneeze? Somewhere? Okay. That puts us on a level playing field when we realize it's not about, because being successful in this life doesn't necessarily translate to being successful in heaven or in the afterlife. Being unsuccessful in this life, what we, you know, how we define those words, doesn't necessarily translate uh, into the same thing you know, in the next life. So if instead we look at, we are all children of God. He died for all of us. And what does that mean that he died for all of us? That means that we all needed somebody to die for us, right? We all were needing the same thing. And we all have that same opportunity. So let's respect and treat everybody like they belong to Jesus Christ because we do. Okay? And let's not get caught up in being a respecter of persons. Okay. That covers verses 1 through 4. Ooh, we could stop right there. I think we all have a little work to do, but we won't. We'll press on. Verse 5. Uh, verses 5 through 7. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do not they blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Now, here we have again, you'll see um, quite a bit in the book of James about the rich and the poor. And sometimes he sounds a little anti-rich, but he's not. <laughs> because you have to look at what was going on at the time and what still kind of goes on uh, today. Where there is such extreme imbalances of wealth, uh, we don't, we have it in America. Sometimes we forget that we have it in America if you're not exposed to those kinds of things. And we'll think that it just happens in other countries, but it doesn't. You can have those that are extremely wealthy. And in the same country, you can have those that are extremely, extremely poor. 
And by extremely poor, I don't mean only have one car, you know, which sometimes we can get it really confused in this country, or just the one house, you know, or you only have three pair of jeans and, you know, just one cell phone and not a smartphone. That's not poor, people. Okay? The extremely poor don't know what they're going to eat today or even if they're going to eat today. They don't have a place to call their own. If they do have a shelter, more than likely they're sharing it with rodents or insects, some type of infestation, right? That's the extremely poor. When you have those imbalances in society, there's always the opportunity, and usually it occurs, uh, that the poor are going to be exploited. Meaning what? That if there is a situation where there's a poor man and a rich man and the, something has happened, the rich man will be able to buy his way out of the situation or further even exploit if the poor man by some chance is able to grab a hold of something that he owns. If the, the rich man sees it and wants it, he can get it. There's not a matter of justice, right? There's a matter of that imbalance uh, of power because where wealth is, there's power. There is control, right? It's just, that's just obvious. It's a fact of life. It shouldn't be, but that is what it is. And so he's telling them, okay, don't get all caught up in somebody with wealth. Remember that those are the ones that have been oppressing you. Now, that doesn't mean that all, not all uh, rich people, I'm not saying, you know, rich people are evil. I like rich people. Right? I, I try to get to know them as many as, uh, as I can so I can help them do what they need to do with their money. Sometimes they don't know what they need to do with it. Right? So befriend the rich and help them, you know, to give to the poor. But anyway, and so he's telling them, don't get caught up in just because somebody is wealthy that you treat them differently or treat them better. Remember um, this imbalance of power and how sometimes uh, the rich can exploit the poor. And he talks about how, you know, the Lord can use the poor, although you may be financially poor, you may be spiritually rich. We also have to remember, though, sometimes in these two extremes, it is difficult to reach either one. Sometimes somebody who's very rich, it is hard for them to hear the gospel because they are self-sufficient. I mean, when you tell them they need Jesus, they're like, for what? I've got everything I need. I can buy more. I can do whatever. Amazingly, sometimes that happens with the extremely poor when you tell them they need Jesus because all they can see is what kind of God can love me and let me live in this, you know, situation. So it may be hard, you know, to reach people on either extremes, but they both need to hear the word of God. They both need to be shown the love of Jesus Christ because we both need them. Of course, the, the poor, you may can, you know, see a little bit more how they need them, but the wealthy need him as well because money can't buy you out of every situation. I mean, and I've heard, you know, I've heard it said on numerous occasions, if all of your problems can be solved with money, you don't have any problems. Yeah? Because there are a lot of problems that cannot be. If your marriage is falling apart, how many of you ever know? Rich people get divorced. Did you know that? That rich people get, with all of the marriage counseling and stuff that's available, 
and that they could pay for it, they still get divorced. Rich people still get sick. Isn't that amazing? You would think, because think about it, when something happens to us, what we just, if you don't have money, you instantly think, if I had more money, I could fix this. Rich people get sick. And even though they can afford all of the modern technology and all of the medicines and fly all around the world to be treated, some of them still die from those illnesses, the same illnesses that a poor person would die from. So let's not get caught up in the material things. They are important in so much as they can help us do what God has called us to do. But let's not get so caught up in those things that we forget what's really important. And what's really important is that we all need to know the love of Jesus Christ. We all need to hear the gospel. And so let's be sure to share that. And sometimes, you know, we may share the gospel with somebody who doesn't have, but we may not always feel comfortable because, again, that comes to that respecter of persons. And we may think a little bit lower of ourselves than when somebody of a higher stature comes around. We may think, well, I'm not going to, I don't have anything I can tell them. Well, if you know Jesus and they don't, you know the most important thing that they need to know. And it doesn't matter how many degrees they have at that point. They need what you have. And so share the gospel with everybody. God ignores our differences. He doesn't see rich and poor. He doesn't see old and young. He doesn't see Jew or Gentile. He looks down and he just sees what? His children. And he either sees his children that have been redeemed or his children that have not yet been redeemed, and he wants them to be redeemed. Okay, So we don't need to get all caught up in that and not share the word of God with somebody because of who they are. Always remember whose they are and be sure that we share um, the word of God with them. Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Tell me, what do they have in common? A person who's in jail for committing murder and a person who's in jail for robbing a bank. They both broke the law and they're both in jail, right? So at that point, does it really matter (laughs) what got you there? You're there. So we may sit back and say, well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do this. But if we are treating one another with partiality, and we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we have broken the law, haven't we? And we're a lawbreaker, just like the person. Now, in our minds, that's hard to grasp, isn't it? Because we think, I'm not as bad. Just because I'm hateful to the person down the street doesn't mean I am nowhere near as bad as somebody that killed a whole bunch of people. Because we put levels on it, don't we? But... If you break one law, you're a lawbreaker, right? If you're speeding down the road and you get pulled over for speeding and you say, well, I didn't run the traffic light, I didn't run the stop sign, I'm buckled up, I have insurance, 
and you look at the state patrol and you're like, what are you pulling me over for? Because I've done 15 things correctly. And he said, well, that's true, but you were speeding, so you still broke the law. You still end up in traffic court if you even bother to go. Usually, just pay the ticket. Okay. So we want to be careful that we don't start putting, because as people, we will put degrees on things. But we need to make sure that we do what God has called us to do. And he has told us to love our neighbor, our neighbor as ourselves. Matthew 23, 22, Matthew 22, verses 34 and 40. Uh, the Pharisees uh, gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, of course, right? Has to be a lawyer who asked him a question, testing him, because, you know, that is what we do. Uh, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, for those of you um, who wanted to know the mysteries of life, what are we all here for? There you go. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Anything else we accomplish in life is just extra, just a little gravy. These are the two things we need to work to accomplish. All of our other goals, now, do I mean you shouldn't have goals and aspirations? Of course not. You should want to better yourself. You should want to go further. You should want to enhance as much of yourself as you can enhance. Learn as much as you can learn. Do as much as you can do. Um, as long as it is all helping you to do these two things better. And when I learn more, it helps me love my neighbor in a better way, right? Because it gives me other ways or shows me other options that I can and also helps me to love God more because the more I learn about him, the more I learn and grow as a person, the more I can give myself to him. But this is our whole point. When, so when people, you know, when they like to in philosophy classes, what is the meaning of it all? Why are we even here? Now you can tell them, I know the meaning to life. This is what I should accomplish. And there are lots of different ways that I can express myself in this, but these should be, this should be the center of my universe. This is what I'm here for, is to love God. Now, tricky one, our neighbor. Because some people are, okay, well, love my neighbor as myself. Well, I'll just get a house somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and I won't have to worry about having neighbors. Problem solved. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Unfortunately, God knows that we would think that way. And so he tells us uh, in Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, who is our neighbor? It's not a question of geography, but it's a question of opportunity. Whoever is around you that needs some help is your neighbor. So right now, all of you all in this room are my neighbors. When I walk outside, whoever's out there is my neighbor. Wherever I am, whoever needs me is my neighbor. So that, in effect, is everybody. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Well, I, I care a lot about me. So what is that? I don't purposely do things to hurt me. Well, I could eat better, but that's another Bible study class. But we're to love our neighbors 
as ourselves. Now, when we talk about love, we're talking about agape love. That's not, you know, I want to take the whole world on a date. No, that is not that. Um, this kind of love is an act of the will, right? It is not, not an emotion. If it were an emotion, then when you mistreated me, or if you came in in a red dress instead of a blue dress, I could not love you because red's mine, nobody else is supposed to wear it. So I could get all caught up in my emotions and I would not have to love you that day and I would be okay with that and God would be okay with that, right? Because our emotions change um, based on how people treat us or how we feel that day. The kind of love that we're supposed to have for God and our neighbor has nothing to do with how we feel. You wake up in a bad mood today or if, you know, Connie comes in and says something ugly to me today, you know how she does then I could just say, she's sitting over there making faces at me while I'm trying to read. Then I could say, well, I'm not loving her today, God. And he would be like, well, I can understand that. Okay, you got today off. But it's not based on my emotions, is it? It has nothing to do with how I feel or what anybody else does. Agape love is an act of the will. So I don't get to fall out of love with my neighbor. It's, it means, an act of the will means I have some control over it. We don't always have control over our emotions. But I have control over an act of my will, so I choose to. I choose to love you, um, as my, uh, love you as I love myself because that's what God has commanded me to do. And I choose to obey. Now, does that mean that I have to be friends with everybody? That I have to hang out with everybody that I meet? And we sit down and have, you know, coffee and donuts and stuff together? Nope. I don't have to like my neighbors, but I do have to love my neighbors. And loving my neighbors means that when given the opportunity, I do what I can to help lift them up. I don't tear them down. I try to help make their lives better in any way that I possibly can. Some days that may mean not spending any time with them. Other days it may mean helping them even though they have gotten on my last nerve because I'm in a position to help and they need the help and I can do it. Right? I may be you know, like that good Samaritan walking by and they're over in a ditch and I'm thinking, I'm late for an appointment. Did you have to fall in? Why can't you just watch where you're going? <laughs> but because I choose to love, I stop. I'm like, okay, Lord, please help me to be in the right attitude, right frame of mind. And I offer my assistance. I show them that love of Christ. And I help them up. Because I'm fairly certain that being crucified was inconvenient. But he did it anyway. Because he loved me. And so I show that love to my neighbors, uh, even when it's inconvenient for me, because I choose to. I make that choice and say, I am going to love you because God has asked me to. He's commanded me to. But I could choose not to, couldn't I? We could all choose not to. But I'm, I'm choosing to do it because I don't want to be a lawbreaker. 
Now, if I went around and treated all my neighbors hatefully, could I still go to heaven? Yep. Yep. But if we say we love God, then would I do something like that? Because he's asked me, think about when you tell somebody that you love them, you expect them to behave a certain way, right? If somebody tells you, you know, if your wives and husband, your husband tells you, I love you, I love you so much, well, then you expect him to be nice to you, right? I expect my husband to be nice to me. I don't give him a gold medal when he's nice to me because that's expected. <laughs> now, when he, you know, I do recognize when he does, you know, little things like wash the dishes or, you know, come home and he's cleaning the house. I'm like, that's such a wonderful man. <laughs> right there, it's a wonderful man. And I show him and I tell him how much I appreciate him. But do I, I don't come in and say, I appreciate you for not hitting me. Well, because that's expected. You know, that's expected. Okay, anyway, marriage counseling, that's another Bible study. But back to this, we're to love our neighbors um, as ourselves. Um, and that is an act of the will, not an act of the emotion, emotion. Matthew 12, 34, 37, what we say to people and how we say it uh, is going to come up before God. We will be judged by every word, even our idle words, uh, will be judged. We will have to account for our behavior. We will have to account for our actions. And just remember, just in closing, First um, John 4 and 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now, we don't have to be the best of friends with one another, but we do need to love each other, love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and love our neighbor as ourselves, right? We should love one another. We should treat each other with, with kindness, with respect. It doesn't matter what station of life, what um, socioeconomic group, what race they are, even whether or not they're a believer. You know, some people think, well, okay, I just have to do that to my Christian brethren. No, we don't. We have to do that to everybody. I can love and receive and accept my Christian brother uh, and sister because we are both in Christ. Christ is in us. But I also need to love and accept and receive my non-Christian brother. Why? Because he is still part of God's creation. Christ died for them just like he died for me. And he wants to be in them and them be in him. And me showing them that love could be what helps get them there. And that's what our goal is, to get everybody to the foot of the cross. And me treating them hatefully, what do you think? If I'm a Christian and you're not a Christian and I treat you like dirt, is that going to help you want to become one? No. So we have to look at the bigger picture here and don't get caught up in just because somebody's opinion is different from yours. There's a lot of people who their opinions, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I would not want to spend any time with them at all. I just don't enjoy them at all but I still love them because I choose to. And I would still be kind to them and gracious to them and, you know, help them if they were in a situation where they needed help. Okay, last point, the way we behave towards people indicates what we really believe about God, right? So we can say that we know him and that he loves us, but that really shows up in how we behave, okay?
So we're not gonna show partiality, no favoritism. We're gonna love everybody. Okay, thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school class this morning. We are going to consider ourselves dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.